welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. This morning we're finishing up our little three-part series on healing. And um, I just want to say thank you to, to all those people that have emailed or contacted me and, and thanked me for the, being bold for this series and for the testimonies we've heard. And, and there are testimonies every week of people getting healed. It is so exciting. We might hear from those, um, a, f- a few of those in, in future weeks. But um, it's, sometimes there's a fine line between like, getting really challenged and inspired and feeling a little bit discouraged. And um, I've just really prayed that, that God would um, help us to, to be encouraged at the same time to, to be challenged with this. Because some, sometimes like, when, when we are told that we are to take responsibility, that there is so much more for us to, to get involved in with God, we can shrink back. We can feel a little bit discouraged. But I want to thank you that, that we are not like those who shrink back, the Bible says. Amen. So um, thank you for, for all of you guys again for, for being keen for this and, and, and stepping out in faith. Um, so as we've done the last couple of weeks, um, oh yeah, I've started my timer. Uh, just, just looking at some biblical teaching, first of all, then addressing the elephant in the room, always regarding healing. It's like, why aren't people healed? Um, then just one takeaway that we can do right today, like, um, as, as we leave here, and then lastly, just praying for people to be healed. Um, but before I get into the biblical teaching, I just want to sort of teach you guys something about Bible study and a phrase which is called the predominant view, which is really, really important when we study the Bible. Um, the predominant viewpoint is when you look at the Bible and take the whole Bible into um, consideration, uh, on pretty much any topic, there is usually a unified theme right throughout the Bible on, on every subject. Um, and you can see this thread, a common thread of understanding of a viewpoint in Scripture. That's called the predominant view. And as, as diligent Bible scholars, it's absolutely the best thing to, to set our belief on the predominant view throughout Scripture. So for example, healing. We know that it's in God's nature to heal. We know that God loves healing. We know that God doesn't want His children children to be sick. We know that um, Jesus healed. We know that Jesus commanded us to be We see healing right throughout Scripture. So that's the predominant view right throughout Scripture. And that's where we can set our belief, which is really good to do. It's not just on healing us on any subject in the Bible. Um, but then we always know that there are some obscure verses, um, sort of like rogue verses, um, isolated verses in, in, in any topic, uh, healing included. And for those, we've got the predominant viewpoint, but you know, we're called to sort of wrestle with those, but we're never called to plant our belief on an isolated verse. Um, we wrestle with them, we understand them, but we don't make that isolated verse our theology. So what so many people do with healing is like, well, I prayed for someone or someone's prayed for me and I've got this sickness and I've had, been battling with it for 50 years. So um, the predominant view doesn't work for me. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna camp on this isolated verse here and make that my theology. Please don't make a, a healing theology or your theology on a healing based on disappointment um, and camp on what, some of these obscure verses. They are there. We are called to wrestle with them, but understand the predominant view right throughout Scripture that God is healer, that He loves healing. Um, he doesn't want His children to be sick. He's a loving father. 
So week one, we looked at God the Father and, and, and how um, like healing surrounding Him. Healing is a big part of God's nature. Our God is a good Father. Week two, we looked at God the Son regarding healing. Um, Jesus healed the sick. 20% of the Gospels are dedicated to recounting stories about healing and deliverance. Um, so that's a big portion and that healing, uh, Jesus commanded us to heal the sick. So this week, we're gonna be looking at God the Holy Spirit and, um, and understanding or looking at healing through, through God the Holy Spirit. So point five, and uh, if you guys got the Bible app, I mostly I try and put my notes all on there as well. Healing is a big part of witnessing. Point five, healing is a big part of witnessing. Acts 1 verse eight, this is what Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That word power, it's like dunamis power, it's powerful power. It's like where we get the word dynamite from, so it's pretty, pretty ridiculously powerful. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We absolutely need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Um, the disciples were saved, but Jesus said, um, wait until you are clothed with power from on high. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we absolutely need that to be effective witnesses for Jesus. Um, we can't really be effective witnesses for Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's freely given to every single one of us. If you, if you haven't understood that or haven't um, had that encounter with the Holy Spirit filling your life completely to overflowing, giving you power, that's available for all of us. Um, so we, we need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Um, we will never be able to move out into healing without the power of the Holy Spirit. And empowerment by the Holy Spirit means so much more than just being able to witness. Like we, we use that word back in the olden days, like oh, I witnessed to my friend, meaning like I gave them a, a tract or I gave them a flyer or I invited them to church. It's like, yeah, I witnessed today. Um, and some people um, dilute the Holy Spirit's empowerment to mean that I can just do that. I can just tell someone about Jesus and that means I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. It means so much more than that. This word witness is an incredible word. Um, and I loved um, Dr. David Campbell from Theos U. He's like one of the most amazing Bible scholars you'll ever know. And he's done an incredible word study on this word witness. And I just wanna share some of the things that uh, the conclusions he's come to. So witness in the Greek is martyrs. It's where we get the word martyr from. So a martyr is someone who dies for their beliefs. So straight away, we know that this word witness is so much more than just like giving out a tract to someone or a flyer and invite them to church. So what does this word witness mean? This, all of these um, meanings encapsulate that word. Number one, one who knows the facts, one who understands the significant of, significance of the facts, one who publicly declares the facts, one who participates in the facts. Like Jesus is healer. We know that it's the nature of God. For us to be effective witnesses, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, it means we participate in that. And one who is willing to give their life for the facts. That's what the word witness means. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses throughout all the whole world. Now, sometimes we think, well, you know, I'm, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I speak in tongues. So that means like, that's, that's all there is to it. You know, you can speak in tongues every day of your life and never really step out to be an effective witness for Jesus. Uh, according to this verse, um, the proof of true empowerment by the Holy Spirit is actually being an effective witness. So that's a huge challenge for all of us 
to lift the level and belief is so much more in our lives. We are called and empowered to be witnesses to the healing power of God, which means we all become participants of that. We can't just tell someone, oh, Jesus healed people back in the good old days and just, no, we, we understand the facts, we know the facts, we declare the facts, we're willing to die for the facts and we participate in the facts. It's brought a whole new challenging understanding to this word witness. Again, I'll say it, Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Healing is a big part of that. Point six, many people have gifts of healing. There are many of us in this room today and you have gifts of healing. The problem is many people have a gift to heal, but they either don't know it or they don't use it or heaven forbid they bury it. Like there is a, a lot of us in this room today and you have this incredible gift in your life, a grace upon you. Grace means supernatural enablement that you can lay your hands upon people who are unwell and in the name of Jesus, pray for them and you will see amazing things happen. And I'm gonna prove that to you by Scripture. There, there is a lot of us here in this room today. So starting off with Mark 16, verse nine to 20. After Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw Him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom He had cast out seven demons. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen Him, they didn't believe her. Like straight away, like these disciples, they're struggling with unbelief. Like you can be so close to Jesus and like even us, and if we've been saved for a long time, we can struggle, like we can succumb to unbelief at times in our lives. And during this time, the disciples succumb, is that a word? To unbelief, even though Jesus had told them plainly He's gonna rise from the dead. Afterwards, He appeared in a different form to two of His followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country and they rushed back to tell the others, but no one believed them. These disciples, they were pushing belief away. Still later, this is what Jesus did. He appeared to them, the 11 disciples, as they were eating together. And you'd think it'd be like a huge family reunion and like he'd be telling how much they loved, he loved them and he probably did, but what did he do straight away? He rebuked them <laughs> for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe. Like we can, we can still not understand, but there is a difference between leaning into belief and resisting belief. And the disciples were rebuked for it. And then He told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptised will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Like the Bible does not lie. And um, you know, there is a shorter end to, to Mark 16 and a lot of people who don't believe in, in supernatural healing and miracles today, they prefer the shorter um, verses because they say, well, this, isn't, this is the long version. It's not really supposed to be in the Bible. Like, I've had demons tremble when I've, I've quoted these verses. So the demons know the power of the Word of God for the longer version of this. Um, and if you wanna know more about that, I'll, I'll, I'll just ask me and I'll talk to you, tell you about the whole story. It's really exciting. Okay, um, anyone who believes and is baptised will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. 
They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. Now, straight away, your probably mind goes to those crazy Christian cults when these guys handle snakes and they like dance with them and they call themselves, they give Pentecostal churches a really bad name, by the way. Um, and that's sort of like, handle snakes with safety is not a good translation. Um, that, that word, I can't remember, is it arusin or something in Greek? It can mean to take up, to take away, to remove, to destroy or to kill. You know when Paul, um, was he shipwrecked on Malta and the snake bit him and he pulled the snake away? That's, that's the same type of word. It doesn't mean dance with snakes. It says like, destroy them, throw them away, which is a way, if I'm ever gonna like do a Bible translation, I'm gonna change that verse because that's a better translation of it. So with that in mind, and then it says, um, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Isn't that an incredible verse? They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed as part of the Great Commission. This is for all of us who call ourselves disciples of Jesus. When the Lord Jesus had finished Talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honour at God's right hand. And the disciples started a connect group and they started debating about healing and what uh, Jesus said, if it was right or wrong or not. And the disciples went everywhere and preached and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they had said with many miraculous signs. I love those verses. So encouraging, so inspiring, at the same time, so challenging. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse nine to 10. Talks about spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Every single one of us in this room or listening or watching this, we have received a spiritual gift. I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is is like the launch pad so that we can start to move in these. But all of us have been given Spiritual gifts. Every single one of you today, um, you've been given at least one incredible spiritual gift and and there's nine here and there's, there's more in the Bible. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts, plural, of healing. Isn't that amazing? There's more than one type of gift of healing. It says gifts, of healing, maybe God's given you a gift to pray for people that you know, migraines will go or bad backs or you know, diseases or whatever. There's gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. So there's like nine there. And I'm not sure how, how, how this works Um, if they're proportioned equally. I don't know if spiritual gifts work like that, but let's just say for the sake of this illustration that God has proportioned all of these nine spiritual gifts like equally to us all, right, in this room. Um, So based on that, like gifts of healing, it's like um, you can pray and there's a grace upon your life in the name of Jesus to see people recover. And there's gifts of miracles, which is like, things that are impossible without the power of God. So there's two of them there. So if we are to equally proportion out these nine gifts of the Holy Spirit for us today, that means like with those two things, uh, the gifts of healing and gifts of miracles, do you know how many, say, say there's 200 people here, that means 22 of you. 22 people, there is a grace upon your life 
Grace means supernatural empowerment by God to be able to step out of the boat in faith and pray for people to recover. And there's gonna, things are gonna shift in their life as you step out, as you become a gift to others, because that's what spiritual gifts are for. It's not just for us, it's so that we can bless each other, 22 of us. Just imagine if the, like, I believe even if you haven't got the gift of healing, because we're filled with the Holy Spirit, this still still happens, we can still see healing. But 22 of you, if if you were only inspired to step out and we pray for you and you learn how to do this, just imagine what could happen. And we know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. Is it just, is it so simple as people just don't know that they are gifted in this or they just don't step out? And I just encourage us all, let's just start to step out and believe because the Bible does not lie. And this is so exciting. Like when you get, it's like a couple of years ago when um, you guys were so generous, you gave me that massive Millennium Falcon, that Lego Millennium Falcon, like 20,000 pieces or something ridiculous. Like it's it's huge now and I've got it in, in our lounge, but it didn't look completely built when I first got it. It was just like a whole lot of pieces. I had to read the instruction manual and I had to spend time putting that together. I think a spiritual gift is like that. We receive a spiritual gift, but it's up to us to learn how to practice and, and learn about it and, and, and get better at it and, and to build that gift and faith around that gift in our lives. And you're only ever gonna do that by stepping out and trying. How do we know that we have a gift of healing? Unless you actually start praying for people. So that's really exciting. So, um, yeah, I know, maybe we, if you feel that there is like something like right now, it's like, wow, maybe me. And if you want us to pray for you, it would absolutely count a privilege to be able to pray for you. So those are the, there's so much more I could share. Maybe I'll continue the series next year, but just wanted to keep it short um, over three weeks. So we're gonna sort of wrap up the, the, the main points there. So let's have a look at, the big elephant in the room, what about when people don't get healed? And, and again, please, um, if you haven't already listened to part one and part two, um, listen to those or watch those because I talk about this um, from a different viewpoint every week. So let's have a look at uh, Hebrews 11, 32 to 40. So it's called the faith chapter, incredible chapter about how these people did incredible things because of their faith. And let's just pick it up from verse 32. How much more... Do I need to say it would take too long to recount the stories of faith, the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. It's an interesting line. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained and imprisoned. Some died by stoning. Some were sawn in half and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and depressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. So it's talking about how these people by faith saw incredible things happen. They received what God had promised. And yet there's a whole lot of other people, they were still full of faith and it didn't go, wasn't like a tiptoe through the 
tulips for them. In verse 39, all of these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. Like these great men and women of faith, that they believed that God was gonna do something for them and it didn't happen for them. It says, none of them received all that God had promised. In verse 40, which I'm, I'm still trying to understand, it says, for God had something better in mind for us. Like it doesn't say for God had something better in mind for them. It says God had something better in mind for us. So now God's including other, the Bible writers are including us in this. God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. And it's the end of the chapter. It's like, what on earth does that mean? But we've got to understand that uh, there's no chapters and verses in the original manuscript. So it just keeps on reading. So let's just read from the next chapter. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now He is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, these people that have gone before us, these people that dared to believe and God came through for them and others that dared to believe and it didn't quite work out for them. The imagery is like of a massive stadium like at Olympics and they are understanding that we are running our race now. It is our time, but they are in the grandstands cheering us on, saying, continue to be full of faith. Believe, keep your eyes focused on Jesus, kids. Keep looking at Him, run your race. It may, your life may not work out the way you thought it would, but keep going, keep strong for Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus because that's what we did. And that's still happening today. And I don't understand how that all works with, with, with those that have gone on before us cheering us on, but maybe one day we're gonna be in that same place. We, we would have run our race and hopefully we've run it well and we kept our eyes on Jesus and we encourage others to do the same, even if it doesn't work out. Which is, which is pretty amazing. Again, I, I, I need to probably spend the rest of eternity trying to, to think through all that. So how do we reconcile human suffering with divine healing? Like how, how do we reconcile it? I, I just think we need to understand that it's just, We've got to live in the tension. I think Chris is going to be talking about this next week, that the paradox of it all, like God heals, we know that, we've experienced that. Like he came to, to set the captives free at the cross, like the atonement, complete wholeness, but we live in this fallen world because of sin. Um, sickness has come in this world and, and, and the curse and, and pain and brokenness. And we are living in a fallen world. We are living in bodies that are going to die. We just got to, to, to wrestle with the paradox, but keep our eyes on Jesus and keep our faith high because of what Jesus accomplished at the cross. Live in the tension, but don't form a theology around sickness, which is rooted in disappointment because we absolutely know Jesus has made a way and He's broken the curse of sin and death. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, the Bible is very specific. It says, be thankful in all circumstances. That word in, it can mean like among or when you're surrounded by. 
circumstances. Be thankful in all circumstances. Note that it doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. Like I'm never gonna be thankful for God for cancer in people's lives. Absolutely not. But even when things don't work out for us, we can still give glory to the Lord and be thankful in that circumstance, not for that circumstance. And keep our faith high and keep our spirit sweet and keep our eyes on Jesus. Because one day we're gonna stand before God and give an account of, of our life. And I pray, this is my prayer for me, but I pray it'll be for all of us. Even though we don't see some things happen that we believe for, God's gonna thank us for being men and women full of faith, daring to keep our eyes on Jesus, not on the circumstances. Jesus, He he did calm the storm and and the situation completely stayed, like changed. Sometimes He doesn't, but Jesus has always promised He's gonna be with us throughout the storm. And that's something that we can absolutely hold on to. He never, ever will leave us. Matthew 7 verse 7 says, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. Let's, let's, let's just not settle because the door has been blown apart, blown off. The, the, right? We can't have complete wholeness. Like, let's not settle for something. Let's keep believing, keep praying for the rest of our lives. Like, I know this is a small thing, but I, I um, struggled with, with migraines for a, a few years. And man, I got into this crazy sort of place of fear and with anxiety, especially before I was about to preach. Because like when I get migraines, or when I used to get migraines, I just, like my eyes got flashing and I wanted to throw up and I just couldn't see. So it's like even sometimes here, I struggled with this throughout the worship time. It's like, like God, please, I don't want a migraine now because it's like, I'm not gonna see, how am I gonna preach? So it's just like this crazy vortex of anxiety that happens. Um, so um, I, I said, well, God, I'm gonna start to pray and believe. And so every time someone, like an altar call or whatever it was, it's like I, I, every time I had a, had a migraine, I didn't settle. I said, I'm, I'm gonna pray for, for healing. Um, you know, it's been 500 days and two days time since I've had a migraine. And um, that's absolutely amazing. And um, yeah, I, I did change a little bit of my lifestyle, but I absolutely believe it's because of the power of Jesus. And um, I know that's just a small thing. And I know that migraines aren't quite like cancer or other debilitating diseases, but God is a healer. He doesn't want you to be sick. I don't understand. And I've done research this week in some of the world's huge heavy hitters in, in healing ministry. They will give you some advice as to why there are hindrances for healing, but almost all of them will say at the end of the day, we just don't know why some people aren't healed, but we can absolutely trust in the character and the nature of God. And let's just keep believing and keep our eyes on Jesus. So the takeaway, like week one, it was nurture compassion. Um, Week two was grow your faith for healing. Week three, what's the takeaway for today? Let's just start to step out in faith. And and when the opportunities arise and and when we feel led by God to pray, let's just step out and do it and just pray for them. Like I used to think, God, it's gonna be really awkward if nothing happens and I'm gonna feel real embarrassed. Like we aren't held responsible. It's like, it's God's issue. He just calls us to go and step out and pray and keep praying. So let's just start to do it. Let's start to believe because man, God's doing stuff. And um, the testimonies I'm hearing, it's not just for in here, by the way, it's usually out out in the marketplace. Just one real quick story. And this happened years ago, but um, Jasha and I went into a, a... a book, book shop in 
uh, secondhand place, a, a junk shop in Dargaville, and the guy was like really complaining of his sciatica. And, like I don't even, I, like I said something before I thought about it. I said, oh, oh can I pray for you? And like, oh man, why did I? And the guy said, yeah, sure. Like he was really keen. Like sometimes non-Christians and unbelievers have more faith than Christians do. Like we get sort of caught up in all the theology of like, I'm not sure, maybe God gave me this. Like they said, yeah, sure, sweet. And it's a bit weird, but prayed for him and nothing happened. But I caught up with him at a garage sale. Um, or was it when we next visited that place? I can't remember. And asked him, he goes, yeah, no, it was, it's really, really good. Like, I don't know if it was like a complete instantaneous healing or not, but like those little things, we don't have to make it weird. <laughs> I think some Christians make it a whole lot weirder than we should. It should be just a natural part of our lives. And seeing that God, like if all of us just started doing it a little bit more, Man, the testimonies would be incredible for the glory of God. And something I never really shared or went into much, which was sozo. I know that Chris sort of shared it a few weeks ago, which doesn't just mean um, salvation. It means complete wholeness. Jesus has done that at the cross. It's phenomenal what he's done. Um, healing and atonement, um, it's, it's there. Like, but we've got to understand, like with salvation, the Bible says that we... We have been saved because of the cross. We are being saved right now and we will be saved. Um, that time when we go on to the next life if we've given our lives to Jesus. And I do think that, that healing's a little bit like that. Isaiah 53 verse five says, by his stripes you are healed. And 1 Peter 2 verse 24, some translations say by his wounds you were healed. But for us as Christians, no matter what happens like in Hebrews 11, those people that believed and they didn't see what they they believe to come to pass, they're in heaven now. And there's no, no sickness, there's no disease in heaven. In Revelation 21, verse one to four, and I love this. It says, when I saw the new heaven and the new earth, or then I saw, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne, saying, look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That's the hope we have in Jesus. That's the hope every single one of us who have given our lives to Jesus one day all of this pain, all of the sickness, all of the pressure, or all of the hassles, it's, it's, gonna, it's gonna go. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.